Welcome to Engender Love. I'm your host, Dr. Shannon Ponce. Join me as we discuss all things gender so you can better connect with those around you. So let's get started as we engender love. If you are a person that when you hear about transgender non-binary identities, you think, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Then this episode is for you. Let's dive into a little bit of why you don't get it. And so I'm going to start with what I often hear. Because when people say that to me, I'm very open to hearing that. I ask them, like, what don't you get? And so a real common answer I get is in reference to transgender boys or men, meaning those assigned female at birth who identify as boys or men. People often say, like, why don't they just be a girl who wears boy clothing? I'm just quoting. It's a very common comment or something along those lines. Or another comment I hear is like, well, they have certain body parts, so how can they be anything else? And what these comments demonstrate to me is a lack of knowledge around gender because they are talking about gender expression and they are talking about biologic sex. They are not talking about gender. And if you're like, I don't understand what you just said, Shannon, good. (laughs) This episode is for you because we're going to talk about what those three things mean. And if you don't know what those three things mean, if when you hear the definitions of these three terms, if you think, oh, I thought those were all the same thing, one thing, then it makes these comments begin to make sense. I will even take it one step further. It makes sense that you may not know these three terms, that they are distinct things because of the way you were raised. And I think it's fair to say with most of us, if not all of us, we're raised to believe that what someone was assigned at birth is how they would identify. We also were raised that some of us, I'd say more than others, were raised that boys wore certain clothes, girls wore certain things, boys like certain things, girls like certain things. I think that one, people are more open to challenging a little bit. And There are some beliefs, whether you're aware of it or not, that fall along those lines. So let's dig in a little bit. I use three terms there, gender identity, gender expression, and sex. So let me start with gender expression. That first comment, why can't that person be a girl who wears boy clothes? Boy's clothes is a form of gender expression. What gender expression is how someone expresses themselves through their clothing, through their hairstyle, how they wear their hair, the body or facial hair they do or don't have, makeup use, their nails, if they paint them, if they manicure them, mannerisms as well as behaviors are often defined as masculine and feminine. Now, if you heard, if I mentioned some things and you're like, don't even say that as masculine or feminine, Shannon, I'm going to be really upset. I totally hear you. Because when I first learned about gender expression myself, I was pretty upset. because (laughs) Some of the behaviors that are identified as masculine in our society, I have those behaviors. And I did not really appreciate that they were defined as masculine as I identify as a woman. I didn't appreciate that. I'm like, why should that my mannerisms be defined by masculine because society is behind? But I digress. That's a story for another time. It is what it is. But the society defines these definitions as masculine or feminine or androgynous. And it depends on society. 
Like, how do we know that? Because we can look around the world. We can look at different cultures, different societies, and see how something like large dangly earrings would be considered feminine in our U.S. culture. Those same earrings in another place in the world may not be seen as feminine. They may be seen as traditional things men wear as leaders. There are clothing pieces that we in the United States may see as dresses or as skirts. Then other parts of the world are not feminine. They may even have other names too to those clothing pieces, but generally the same shape. And so we can see how the difference goes from culture to culture. But not just is gender expression the definition as masculine, feminine, androgynous. Not only is it defined differently by culture, it's defined differently over time. The example I often like to give in my talks is when the Beatles came to the Ed Sullivan show in 1964, I believe, it was 1964, they were considered to have long hair. Now, if you have not seen what I'm talking about, please go Google it. Google Beatles on the Ed Sullivan Show, and you're going to be surprised that anyone thought of their hair as feminine. But for that time period, it was considered long. I'll try to describe, I'll do my best to describe it. So it was kind of a bull cut, and the side of the hair went over the tips of the ears. They probably went about halfway down the ear. That's it. Bull cut a little bit around the ear. The back was not really long, but it wasn't shaven tight. And so there was so much attention of like, what are these men doing with the feminine hair style that there was a lot of attention given to the hair, probably just as much as was given to their music when they came to the United States. But we fast forward to now, and I'm telling you, if you see that picture, you'll understand Nobody would look at that hairstyle and be like, oh, why are they wearing a girl's haircut? As was often spoken back then. So that definition has changed for us. And we can do use an example of women wearing pants. That was considered masculine. And even though women fought to wear pants for, took probably over a hundred years before it started becoming slowly more acceptable in certain places at certain times, started as casual and at home. It wasn't a workplace appropriate, but now... If I wear pants to work, nobody is questioning. No one's calling, wow, Shannon's wearing masculine clothes today. No one thinks twice about it. So our definitions of what is masculine and what is feminine change over time. And we are in the middle of seeing it continue to change right now. And how do I know that? Well, a great example is nail polish. Now, if you're around my age, you may, you may not, you may be more open but may consider nail polish, wearing nail polish a more feminine expression. But most high school students now, if you ask them, they wouldn't consider it necessarily feminine. They would know of people of all genders who wear nail polish. And so it's more neutralized among that generation. And so I think we will begin to see that definition change. And also something else, we have seen more men wearing skirts. And I'm specifically talking about people who identify as men. A great example of where I think it all began was Billy Porter in 2019 on the Oscar red carpet. If you have not seen his gorgeous gown he wore to the Oscars in 2019, please Google it. But It was a black tuxedo dress. And from there, we've seen Harry Style 
wore dresses and skirts, including on the cover of Vogue at the end of 2019. We have seen Bad Bunny, a Latin music artist, wear skirts on talk shows and videos and including on the cover of Bizarre Magazine. We've even seen Brad Pitt on the red carpet in July of 2022 in a skirt. So I don't think we're to the point where society has changed its definition of a skirt being feminine. But I would say, keep an eye out, open your eyes. We are seeing the beginning. We are seeing the challenges. We are beginning to see the openness of people being able to express themselves in various ways. And those definitions are being challenged. So again, gender expression as masculine, feminine, or androgynous changes over time. So that comment why can't somebody just wear? Well, what somebody wears is their expression. And there's a variety, no matter how you identify, meaning we see among, for example, women, all different types of expressions. We see among men, all different types of expressions. We see among non-binary people, all different types of expression, meaning the clothes, the hair, the nails, the body, the facial hair, all vary within it. So it does not tell us who somebody is, their gender. What we see when we look at a person is their gender expression. Now, let me go to the next comment in the next term. That comment, well, if you're born with certain parts, how can you be anything else? So certain parts, we're talking about sex. And sex is defined by four biologic characteristics. It is the external genital anatomy. It is the internal genital anatomy, it is chromosomes, and it is hormone dominance. And what I mean by hormone dominance, let me just be really, really clear. All bodies have estrogen, testosterone, and progesterone. Those are what we call the sex hormones. Estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, all bodies have it. No matter what, all bodies have all three. What I'm talking about by dominance is which of those hormones is driving the development of the genital system. Which one is kind of controlling and defining the development? And that's what I mean by hormone dominance. So when a baby is born, we assign it a sex and we assign it typically based on external anatomy. We don't go looking into all four unless there's a question or a problem or a concern. The other time we might have a little bit more information is if for whatever reason, person decided to have an amniocentesis for their pregnancy or a chorionic villus sampling. And all that means is they got a sample out to know the baby's chromosomes. So we may know the chromosomes that that occurred. Otherwise, it is external anatomy and that's what we base it on. But here's the thing about those four characteristics. Like in order to be classified as male or female, all four of those characteristics, as much as we know about them, have to fall under the classification of male, all four of them, or female. And if there is someone born that doesn't have all four in one or the other category, then they fall under an umbrella term called intersex. Intersex is a person who the four biological sex characteristics are not clearly under the male classification or not clearly under the female classification. Again, it's an umbrella term. There can be a lot of things Sometimes it's diagnosed at puberty when puberty does not start or develop as expected. 
And there are so many other variations, but sometimes one example is when a baby is born, if they have what we call ambiguous genitalia, meaning that the external anatomy we see is not clearly male or female. And so I bring this example up because for the people that say what anatomy you have is who you are, then that would mean that babies born with ambiguous genitalia would be assigned non-binary based on that. But we don't. We do what we do for every baby. We guess. That's all it is. It's a guess. We do not know someone's gender by looking at their anatomy or their chromosomes or their internal anatomy or knowing which hormone is going to drive the development of their reproductive system. It does not tell us gender. It tells sex. I think that's really important because we use those two terms interchangeably in our society many times. And I would argue we shouldn't because they're not the same thing. So we guess on the anatomy of what someone's gender is. And that's because there is an association between sex and gender. An association is not a cause and effect. An association means it won't always be that way. So yes, maybe most of the time, if a baby's assigned male at birth, they're going to identify as a boy or a man. And somebody assigned female at birth, most of the time, is going to identify as a girl or a woman. And that's not always the case. So that brings me to gender. What is gender? Or more specifically, gender identity. What gender identity is, is an inner sense of self. It is who we know ourselves to be regardless of the anatomy we have, regardless of who the world tells us we are, regardless of what the world sees. Gender identity is an inner sense of self. You cannot see it. People may express it in different ways that may or may not align with how society defines masculine and feminine. It may not be the same thing as their anatomy. So it is something we cannot see, which means how do we know what someone's gender identity is? The only way to know someone's gender identity is if they tell you. Everything else is an assumption. So I hope if this is all new information for you that you take time to sit with it and really think about it and reflect on yourself. Reflect on how do you know how you identify? If you say because of my anatomy, we've already established that. (laughs) In fact, your genitals develop in the first trimester. For fetuses, they develop in the first trimester. The brain develops in the third trimester. They do not develop at the same time. So think about it. What makes you who you are? And notice if you're pointing to gender expression or pointing to biologic characteristics. Remember, those are different. Gender identity is that inner sense of self. And so also when you begin to think, I don't get it, and you look at the answer, why, what don't you get? Notice, are you referring like those two examples I gave to gender expression, or are you referring to sex? Please contact me if you have questions, if you want to talk more about it, about this, and hopefully as we begin to pull those three things apart, we can learn that people know who they are and we just hope 
they tell us so we can honor it. I have a free class being offered on my website right now. It is called How to Support Your Child Even When You're Messing Up. You will learn how to create connection regardless of the level of tension. So don't wait. Go to engenderlove.com backslash class and start learning now. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Engender Love. If you have more questions, visit my website at engenderlove.com. You can contact me, sign up for my newsletter, or schedule a time to meet and see how I can support you. Have a great week and continue to engender love.